flying saucer found on ranch in New Mexico. The Vesalia Times Delta, July 8, 1947. Pine Bush UFO hunters are a dedicated bunch. Press and Sun Bulletin, October 17, 1988. Roswell, New Mexico and Pine Bush, New York are both regarded as UFO capitals of their states. A great way to learn more about why is to explore the UFO museums that you'll find in both places, which is what we're going to do in this episode as we explore those museums and a couple of others in this episode of Macabre Museums. Hello, fellow restless spirit and intrepid traveler. Thanks so much for tuning in to Sail the Airwaves with me. My name is Courtney Morak, and I'll be your host and guide for this episode, Exploring Out-of-This-World UFO Museums. Before we check out the Pine Bush UFO and Paranormal Museum in Pine Bush, New York, or what many consider the mecca of UFO museums, the International UFO Museum and Research Center in Roswell, New Mexico. Let's first talk a little bit about how and when UFOs first entered America's consciousness. Although you can find references to aliens and unidentified flying objects in all cultures dating back centuries, even as far back as 1440 BC. But in America, we can trace the origins of reports about UFO legend and lore invading our public domain to a specific year, 1947. A lot of people credit the crash at Roswell with that, which was technically the first thing to happen in 1947, but not the first to make news. We'll get to that, but first, let's talk about the other UFO sightings during the summer of 1947, after mentioning that they weren't called UFOs at first. Sometimes newspaper accounts referred to them as mystery airplanes, but another moniker eventually became the most common, flying saucers. We'll also learn exactly when that happened in this episode. Prior to the Roswell crash, there were other reports of UFOs. The flying disks began on June 25th without attracting great immediate publicity, the Owensboro Messenger reported in their article, America's great flying saucer mystery could be a modern outbreak of fear-inspired folklore. That article provided a sort of timeline of UFO newspaper accounts up to that time, beginning with the one on June 24th, when private pilot Kenneth Arnold spotted nine shiny unidentified flying objects flying at high speeds past Mount Rainier. What makes his story interesting is that a prospector named Fred Johnson unknowingly corroborated it. Johnson was on Mount Adams when he saw six objects similar to what Arnold claimed to have seen. 
It was also June 24th and around the same time as when Arnold spotted the ones that he saw. But Arnold and Johnson weren't alone. There were at least 16 UFO reports in Washington state on June 24th. The Owensboro Messenger article went on to state that by July 3rd, flying disks had been reported in 10 states, mostly west of the Mississippi, and that the name had become Flying Saucers. But this article also contained another interesting nugget. The reports exploded overnight into national prominence when Captain E.J. Smith flew a transport plane out of Boise in early twilight. He, his first officer, Ralph Stevens, and stewardess, Marty Morrow, were quoted as agreeing that all of them saw first five and a little later four flying disks. Both flights seemed to be in loose formation. Smith thought at first they were other planes and blinked his lights, but received no answering signal. He too failed to identify the flying objects. The article goes on to say, on July 9th, the stories climaxed and burst like a bubble when an Air Force officer at Roswell, New Mexico, issued a statement that the flying disc had become a reality with the discovery of something of that sort on a ranch near Roswell. The burst bubble was the announcement that the debris had been taken for examination to Fort Worth and was identified as the radar target of a weather balloon. One of my favorite headlines about that came from the Corsicana Daily Sun on July 9, 1947. Army disc ounce New Mexico find as weather gear. Remember when I mentioned earlier that the Roswell incident was technically the first to happen, but not the first to make news in 1947? I think that helped fuel the conspiracy theory that persists to this day. It was on June 14, 1947, when rancher Mac Brazil noticed what looked like debris scattered in the desert near Roswell, New Mexico. As history explained it, it wasn't until newspapers reported UFO sightings in the area that he thought it might be related. It's no wonder really that people started declaring, cover up, conspiracy, since it took a while for the Roswell crash to make headlines, even though the debris was said to be found weeks earlier. But no sooner had the crash been revealed than it was quickly determined to be weather gear. I can see how that does look a little suspicious. Pine Bush, on the other hand, didn't have one major UFO event like Roswell did. Instead, it's had decades-long consistent sightings. So consistent, in fact, that it's not uncommon to see people pulled over on the side of the roads UFO hunting. In a 2021 article about aliens in the Hudson Valley, the Times Union shared that locals have reported unidentified objects in the sky since the opening decades of the 20th century. 
One of the earliest reports I found of people admitting to searching the skies near Pine Bush for UFOs came from a 1988 Press and Sun bulletin piece that declared Pine Bush UFO hunters are a dedicated bunch. But at first, they didn't really talk about what they saw. Then slowly they opened up to each other, especially after the Times-Herald Record published, Have you ever seen a UFO? If so, call this number. The response was overwhelming and soon formed into a monthly meeting where people who had seen a UFO or maybe even had been abducted could share and compare their experiences and get support. And that's something else that's key to point out. Unlike the Roswell incident, Pine Bush residents noticed that besides sightings, some also had more up-close and personal experiences of the abduction variety in common, too. Also unlike the Roswell saucers, the types of crafts spotted in the Hudson Valley area differed. As the Times Union reported, the descriptions have changed over the years from the traditional saucer shapes in the 1950s and 60s to boomerang-shaped vessels and football field-sized triangles hanging directly above the trees in the 1980s to intricate and unexplained lights that characterize sightings in the 1990s. Hanging is another key word. When craft are spotted, it's not for a fleeting moment. It's not uncommon for them to hover and hang in the air for upwards of 20 minutes at a time. Like Roswell now does with its annual UFO festival to commemorate the Roswell crash, Pine Bush also has an annual UFO fair to celebrate its UFO activity. It was the popularity of that fair, which started in 2008 as a small informal gathering of ufologists, but in 2019 drew over 7,000 visitors, which eventually led to the permanent Pine Bush UFO and Paranormal Museum opening in 2021. Both the International UFO Museum and Research Center in Roswell and the Pine Bush UFO and Paranormal Museum display similar exhibits, including replicas of UFOs and aliens, sighting maps, and eyewitness testimonies. But the Pine Bush Museum also incorporates accounts of other paranormal activity recorded in the area, including ghosts and Bigfoot. So expect to hear more about this museum again when we explore paranormal museums in the last episode of the Macabre Museum season. As far as UFO museums go, those are really it, but maybe that will change. Ever since the government released their brief, but groundbreaking, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Report in 2021 that acknowledged UAPs exist, UAPs instead of now UFOs, I guess their way of fancying that up. It stands to reason that one day some museum somewhere might even put an actual UFO on display. Before I sign off, I just want to briefly touch on two other museums that UFO seekers might be interested in. One is the Penny Royal Area Museum in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. 
It's been a while since we visited, but when we did back in 2012, they had a small display about the 1955 Kelly encounter where Lucky Sutton and his family said little green men had landed on their farm and waged an attack on them. This is also where the idea of Little Green Men started. I haven't watched it, but I understand the series Hellier examines that case. Another museum explores UFOs in an entirely different way. Houstonian mag called Seismic, a far out journey. Inside this hybrid interactive art installation and museum, you'll find robots, space tunnels, alien statues, flying saucers, and much more. All of which you get to walk through in and overall be a part of. Their app lets you get interactive in another way too. Like you can change some things in the room such as the lightings or the color scheme or even apparently control a digital waterfall with your movements. I've never been yet, but from the photos that I've seen online, it really does look like a far out kind of place. And if I ever find myself in Houston, I will definitely be making a jaunt to Seismic. Thank you so much for tuning in and sailing the airways with me as we explored out of this world UFO museums for this episode of the Macabre Museum season here on the Haunt John's podcast. Again, my name is Courtney Marat, and it's been my pleasure to be your host and guide for this episode. Next week, we're hopping on our broomsticks to check out which museums. The best way to make sure you're along for the ride is to subscribe if you haven't already. Until our paths cross again, ciao for now. Thank you.